What is wisdom? What does that word even mean? How can we implement wisdom in our everyday lives? Psychiatrist and executive coach Dr. Sunil invites you to join him on a transformational and sacred quest to experience meaning, purpose, and fun in both your life and work. These podcasts will not only empower you to wisely navigate through a confusing world, but to grow in body, mind, and spirit, which will ultimately have us Dancing with Wisdom. Hello, and welcome to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast with me, Snora Haja, as we continue to explore life and make sense of what is an increasingly cynical and confusing and complex world. Well, we're continuing our conversation with John Wyatt. John, great to have you with us. Good. No, it's good to be here. Thanks, yeah. Sunil. These conversations with John are very much about friends talking about friendship, a subject that is not really given much attention in our day and age. We tend to look at it with either a degree of cynicism. And, you know, I'm just thinking a cynic is someone who knows the cost of everything but the value of nothing. And unfortunately, that's the way that our world looks at friendship. Or it looks at it with a a degree of deep suspicion that something really dark and deadly and evil is going on. And in our last podcast, last conversation, which you, which you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go to, we've in a sense laid out the groundwork for the positive side and how friendship is actually, it's part of being human. It's part of dancing with wisdom in terms of being, relating, doing and leaving. And we are made for friendships and healthy, good friendships can bring the best out of us and really make us more human. Well, in this conversation with John, we're going to explore the darker side and really the mess that we're in when it comes to friendships. We like to think of ourselves as autonomous, self-made. I chart my own destiny. I know what's right and wrong, and I'm the best judge of of where I should go. But John, that's a lie, isn't it, really? (laughs) Well, it certainly is. I mean, we're, we're all of us much more influenced by thinkers of the past and their ideas and some of them very wonky and and um, yeah. and not just uh, 10 20 years ago indeed uh, hundreds of years ago uh, many of the great thinkers of the past came up with ideas and concepts and and often you know these ideas have a mixture of of, of good and bad in them yes. But we've been deeply influenced by them. And I'm quite interested in, in what's sometimes called the history of ideas. How is it that, yes. that the current things, which seem so obvious and natural to us now, how did those ideas emerge? Yes. Where do they come from? And in the last podcast, you talked about the hermeneutic of suspicion. Before you go, just explain to us what the hermeneutic of suspicion is. And then, if you like, give us a... There are obviously lots of people you could talk about, but I think you're going to give a sort of sort of potted history with the main highlights from there. But let's start with the hermeneutic of suspicion. It's a long word. And yeah, just explain so to we, it. we talked about it in the last podcast, but hermeneutic is an academic word, which just basically means the analysis of a manuscript. That's where it starts from. And taking an ancient manuscript and trying to understand what does the author mean, the interpretation of a text. But it's also used about relationships. And so the hermeneutic of suspicion says... I wonder what's going on in that relationship. And I bet it isn't what's on the surface. In other words, don't just see the surface. There's two people enjoying one another. No, dig beneath. Because there's something else going on. And so in our culture, in the atmosphere that we live in today, there is this hermeneutic suspicion. So as we said in the last podcast, if two men have a close friendship, there must be something wrong something going, weird, weird something going, yeah. something you know we, we've got to dig beneath the surface yes. we've got to look beneath the surface and we've got to be suspicious things are not people say oh there's nothing we're just good friends yeah 
you don't believe that. You know, yes. that's that kind of of attitude. So, yeah. where do those ideas come from? Well, if you go back, you know, to ideas of friendship have been people have been writing about friendship for thousands of years. The ancient Greeks had mm. this ideal of friendship, but it was a very positive thing. In fact, interestingly, friendship to the ancient Greeks was seen as something much more important than sex. Sex was right. just about reproduction or about some kind of physical pleasure but friendship they they celebrated as being something incredibly important and and, and much more important so it's sometimes you you hear the phrase a platonic friendship that friendship which wasn't to do with sex mm. that was something that the ancients thought was was mm. was the really most important part of life yes um, and it's said to be said as even within the bible it's the, the importance and value of friendships and making us making us human literally. indeed and and it's one of the interesting things to me that there's been actually surprisingly little study theological study about friendship in the Bible, even though once you start looking for it, it's absolutely everywhere. Mm. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Jesus said, greater love has no one uh, than to lay down his life for his friend. Friends. And we read that with modern eyes. We think that's a bit weird. I mean, if he said greater love than to lay down their life for their lover mm. or for their child mm. yes we could understand that but to lay down your life for your friend yeah. that sounds a bit strange to our ears and yet yeah. in biblical thinking friendship again and even even uh to talk about being a friend of god was seen as something um immensely significant yes so i mean just to fast forward very rapidly yeah. Yeah. there are certain figures who've who've really changed the way we understand relationships yes and one of the most profound figures which uh, a name we've all heard of is freud who was a viennese doctor in the 19th century and who came up with some highly influential theories about how the human psyche works and he thought of himself as a scientist he was trained as a neurologist he was very interested in the latest science and he he thought he was developing the science of, of personality and the interesting thing is he conceived of the way that human beings work as a bit like a steam engine. The steam engine actually was very, at the time, this was the way that the most dramatic way of technology. And he conceived of something he called libido, which was basically sexual energy, as something was a bit like the steam of a steam engine. It was under pressure. It was came bubbling up from deep inside. And it drove all the power. Everything that people did was ultimately driven by libido, by sexual right. desire. Yeah. So the primary desire for what we do is sexual, is, it, what, is the, what, he, what he said. Yeah. And, but he said that what happens is that he also had this idea that this energy, if it burst out, it would be completely destructive, a bit like when a steam engine explodes. Yes. And so it had to be repressed. It had to be damped down. It had to be controlled. Mm. And he believed that the whole development of civilization and the cultural and the limits and saying that you shouldn't have sex with these people and should only have sex in marriage and so on, this is all to do with repression in order to allow civilization to work, to keep this desperately dangerous sexual energy keep it within confines yes and this is over 100 years ago he was it's saying over 100 years ago and yet you know yeah. those ideas in a very conservative culture at the time yeah indeed and yeah. and interestingly these ideas which have now been scientifically pretty much poo-pooed and mm. you know there just isn't 
the evidence that yeah, then, uh, libido is the single the prime driving single thing. Desire, yeah. you, it, the scientific evidence isn't there. But this idea mm. that sex is the most profound yeah. uh, motivating force for And look at our beings. culture now. Look at it. I mean, it's, sex is selling everything, advertising, and, and, and we look at all relationships as about being sexual, as well as our culture that's just driven by sexual identity and, you know, yeah. Yeah, and also, of all forms yes, and thoughts. It, it, yeah. it, it is indeed. And interestingly, these ideas, and there are many other things apart from Freud which have fed into this. Uh, a lot of it is the commercialization of sex, the way that people discovered in the 1960s that sex could be used to sell anything and uh, that it was uh, very powerful. And interestingly, it's also the loss of religion and religious mm. belief is that for many modern people, sex has taken the place yes. as being the most profound, yeah. motivating You had a very uh, provocative quote from, is it Malcolm Muggeridge, isn't it, that you, I, I saw in, in one of the drafts of your book. Why don't you just tell us that? Yes, yes yeah. the, the orgasm has replaced the cross as the ultimate meaning of life. You know, and, that, and tragically, I think... When you look at our society, I think you'd have to agree it probably has, yeah. Well, and, and so this idea that in an orgasm you are ultimate, finding the ultimate meaning of life, yes. that would have been laughable to people in the ancient yes. world. And yet to modern people, because it's the pursuit of, this of pleasure, isn't it? It's a pleasure. It's, and it's, it's the ultimate this, pleasurable experience. I there's suppose. something about yeah. ecstasy. You know, yes. ecstasy means literally to be taken out of yourself. Yes. And so people think that in this experience of becoming being taken out of yourself i'm discovering the mm. ultimate meaning of what it means to be human yes so sex is is seen as driving relationships yes. so that what is friendship about well it's just covert sex yes. it's about a, yes. getting some kind of sexual thrill yes. some kind of it could be if it's two men it's homoerotic or it's you know it's yes. it's it, it, it's pedophilia it's it's there's something it's fundamentally sexual. Is it, that's that's yes. the one, and that's so idea. endemic within our culture. You you won't say it as directly as that, but everywhere you look, that's what keeps on coming up, as it were. <sighs> about, that's that's the meaning of everything, in a sense. Yeah. Well, and of course, it's not complete rubbish. I mean, what these tragic scandals to do with you know church leaders, with Roman Catholic priests, with teachers and headmasters with you know what it's told us is that sadly there is a great deal of sexual perversion and sexual abuse of children and that's about power as well and exploitation yeah yes and and that's the other side so it's not just sex but what other thinkers have brought in the ideas of is that is that it's much more to do with power it's much Mm. more to do with the the powerful oppressing the weak. And so we should always think in terms of power. And this is an idea you can really trace back to the philosopher Nietzsche, the German Mm. philosopher, who basically threw over a lot of the traditional understanding and said, look, ethics isn't about what's right and what's wrong. Ethics is about the powerful who who are telling the weak what to do. Whenever somebody tells you what is right or wrong, they're really saying, I'm the powerful one. And I am here to impress my will on yes. you. And so the will to power, the yes. will to drive, yes. to dominate. And I'm just thinking maybe they're reflecting in, in our COVID world as well, the power, you know, about churches closing or not being in a, wearing masks, getting the vaccine. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to go into the area about 
whether you know the ethics of that, but that, that's there's there's power play there as well. Well, it is, and of course, the response which we've seen across the world, but particularly in the states, that how dare you tell me how to live my life, mm. and I'm free to. I don't want some politician telling me that I've got to wear a mask. I don't want some politician telling me that I've got to get vaccinated. That I've got to practice social distancing. I am free. I exert power over my own life. I am deeply suspicious of anyone else telling who what is telling me what to do. Again, you can trace this idea uh, back to these to these philosophical think, thinkers. Yes, it's quite sobering, isn't it? That these philosophical thinkers who were hundreds of years ago are deeply influencing us now even though we like to think that we are free thinkers. It is interesting, and, and, it, and it comes out in so many different ways. If we think about films, about novels, about drama of all kinds, we think about advertising, we think about just the common popular culture, mm. these ideas of sex and power as being the most important motivating forces mm. behind uh, human existence mm. are, are very powerful. And therefore, so therefore, when we come to friendship, mm. it's not surprising that we should think, well, it's either sex or it's power or, or it's both. Yes. And again, it's not all wrong. I mean, sadly, yes. friendship can go horribly wrong. And when it goes wrong, it often is along either sexual Excellent. lines or along power, ab abuse okay. of power. Yeah. So if we're going to look at our friendships with wisdom, which is really what we want to do, we need to be clear about what the warning signs are. In the last podcast, if you haven't listened to that, we talked about the very positive sense of the friendships with, with John Stott and, and the positive influence that had on lots of people for the good. We're looking here now on the negative. And if I'm going to live with wisdom, I'm going to really know what are the warning signs that actually this friendship is crossing some lines and I need to be very careful. Maybe need to steer clear well away. Maybe need to talk to somebody else about this. Yeah. And I think this is, the real, this yeah. is the real challenge. You know, when I think back to the friendships I had as a student mm. back in the 1970s, it was a different world. You know, yeah. we, had, we didn't know any of this, of, mm. of the... Of course, abuse was a reality then, but the understanding of what the dangers could be and of how these relationships can get corrupted, uh, we just didn't have. And, and when I look back on those relationships, it, it, it all seems rather naive and rather, rather heedless. Whereas the real question we've got to ask ourselves, now we know what we know. Now mm. we know about sexual abuse and we know about coercion and control yes. uh, and, and bad relationships. How can we act wisely? How can we reinvent friendship in the 21st century how can we reinvent healthy yes, that's right, and yes. positive and wise friendship yes, yeah. while we're aware of the dangers as well so john to, to give us some of the warning signs to, to look out for yeah well I, I think what comes out is there are certain warning signs which which we all need to try and understand of, of how friendships can go wrong and and just here are a few of them that's not by any means exclusive list i think in many, many of the accounts, there is a, what it sounds is that the powerful person has said, uh, has demanded a kind of loyalty from the junior, per the, the, yeah. the younger person. The yeah. powerful person says, yes. I'm going to give you my friendship, but you've got to be loyal to me. I want to you me. to be absolutely loyal. I don't want you to tell anybody else about what's going on in our friendship. I don't want you to tell anybody else about what I've said. Yes. I expect you to be completely and utterly loyal to me. So it's sort of direct and indirect means that's communicated. Yeah. yeah. 
And and you know that's that should be a red flag. That that's a warning sign. Yeah. So this is, is an this, exclusive friendship between yeah. you and me. Why is this person yeah. wanting me? Yes. Right from the beginning to be loyal. Is it? Yeah. And it and it's a sign that there is all this person is already trying to establish a kind of control in an unhealthy way. Another thing is what is often described as love bombing which is a sort of strange word, but what it basically means is, is when an older person, like, for instance, an, an older uh, leader speaks to, uh, uh, is developing a friendship with a younger person and says, you know, I think you're the most amazing person. I, I think you've got such amazing potential. Yeah. You know, you're one of the most outstanding yeah. young people I've met. And, and I, I just want you to know that, yeah. how special you are yeah. and, and what a, an amazing person you are. And you know that if you hear someone saying that to you, yeah, continually, that and, kind and of over the sounds top, sounds too good to be true. Over the top yeah. flattery, yeah. and uh, which you know in your heart isn't true. I know I'm mm. not. But if I, but, you know, we talked about earlier that there's real loneliness in the world. You know, I yeah. think in the UK the figures twenty two percent of people say they feel lonely most of the time. Yeah, it makes you very vulnerable. It yeah. makes you very vulnerable, and and we're all vulnerable to that kind of flattery and the attention and, and the attention and the and and but love bombing the, should always be yes. ringing warning bells why is this person it's being too so rosy it's, 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 it's too it's, it's it too rosy yeah it, it, obviously it's it's, it's 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 good to encourage and say how we've yes, been blessed and encouraged it, it has to be honest it has yeah. to be real in a context I mean, in, in a context genuine yeah. friendship is about reality it's about sharing myself with all the positive and the, the negative. negative it's not about this illusion yes. of being So you said demand for loyalty, this love bombing. Yeah, what else? Yeah. I think when friendships, there's an element of fear creeps in, you know, I, I mustn't do this because right. the other person will be angry because they would take it out on me because yes. it would be, you know, they said, where were you? I expected you. Why, why weren't you there? Yeah. And I'm starting there's to There's a real feel insecurity there. There's, there's, there's yeah. fear. Yeah. And and what many people say is that this love bombing can suddenly shift, you know. Right. So all of a sudden, I'm having this friendship and I'm saying, you know, you're the most wonderful person, I think. But there's something I absolutely think is terrible. And all of a sudden, mm. I'm, I'm so shifting from this so positive, positive and to then completely negative. very, very negative. Completely negative. And that is well recognized as as one of the techniques that people do to to use to control to, con to control yeah. and to and to abuse and again yeah. that that should be a warning sign and i think finally the crossing of boundaries that mm. the friendship healthy friendship always has some boundaries it has yes. some points at which yes. we don't cross and and so and, and obvious boundaries are, are, are sexual boundaries, you know, about physical contact, about sexual stimulation, about undressing, about there are boundaries about what's what a healthy friendship has. Yes. And at what point. Yes. And if you suddenly feel it's a bit uncomfortable, well, you know, it's, too it's, much, why yeah. don't we have a cuddle? You know, why don't we? Is, yeah. There, there's something. There's, we're, yeah. We're and crossing just, a boundary yeah. here. And I suppose the thing is, if you're putting somebody up on a pedestal or you're, or you're respecting somebody because of their authority, their position it's very hard in a sense to talk about and it's very easy to feel that you have to go along because they know so much more than me they're so much more senior to me they're i mean they might not just be age you know they're just in a different you know they have more authority than their position in some way or they're more 
charming or That's whatever. That's absolutely right, right. And 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 sadly, what we now recognise is this phenomenon of grooming that the older, the abusive person, instead of just immediately saying, you know, why don't we have a sexual relationship? It's a very, very Gra- subtle, slowly, and gradually thing, breaking yeah. down the boundaries. Yes. Uh, there's a kind of ulterior motive. This yeah. is not a genuine yeah. friendship. This is, there's, there's an ulterior motive. It's, it's, it's transactional. Yes. I'm getting something out of this. So as we look at with friendships with wisdom, it's obviously good to be intentional about friendships, to look for people who we can develop close, good friendships with. But we have to have our eyes open to the fact that there are, you know, using Jesus' words, wolves in sheep's clothing. There are people who actually have set their heart and mind to do evil. To, yeah, I'm afraid so. And and also, sometimes it happens gradually. So a friendship can start off in a very healthy, positive way, and then bit by bit, it, it starts to get corrupted. And these yeah. other elements, whether it's sexual or whether it's this sense of manipulation and yes. power and control, mm. uh, this, it just goes wrong. Yes. And, and that's why I think this idea of red flags, of trying to recognise the red flags. So, so I think... So to, yeah. um, if somebody's watching this or listening to this now and they're thinking about a particular friendship they've got with somebody, what should we be saying to them, do you think? They're listening to this right now and they're feeling uncomfortable about a particular friendship and they're thinking... Actually, I, I I wonder if some boundaries have been crossed. I wonder if I have been love bombed. I wonder if there is this um, you know unhealthy use of power that's, that's happening here. What do you think we should say? I think the most important thing is to find somebody else outside the friendship who you trust mm. and start talking about them. Even if the person said you mustn't tell anybody else, this is you know this is just between us. This is entirely confidential, mm-hmm. and you mustn't tell anybody yes. else. I think we have to break that yes. because that is wrong. Yes. You know, one of the interesting things as a pediatrician, I I, I know something yeah. about helping yes. children who who are you know, at risk of being sexually abused and so on. And people often talk about good secrets and bad secrets. Mm. A good secret is when someone has shared something uh, special with you, and you don't necessarily want to go and tell everybody. Yes. You know, that's a good secret. Yes. But there are bad secrets. Yes. Bad secrets are where some other person is saying, you know, we've got a special friendship, but you mustn't tell anybody yes. else about us. And so in the same way, in a adult friendship, friendship. there are good secrets Which, and there are bad secrets. Yeah. And we need to understand the difference. Yes. And when there's a bad secret, we need to have the courage to find another trusted person. Yes, and, so don't hold, say, it don't, don't hold it. Don't hold it because... Yeah. It's wrong to keep these things in the dark. And yeah. the point is, of course, the reason for that is partly because if I'm being abused, I need to recognize that Yes, and get healing for myself from outside this relationship. Yeah. But I've got to remember there could be other people as well. If I don't say anything, and if I just say, well, I'll keep it to myself, okay, I'm not really happy about this. You don't know what other people, more vulnerable people out there, might be being abused as well. And the tragic reality is that people in the name of God, in the name of being church leaders, in the name of being religious leaders of of other faiths as well, people in authority, have abused their power and used the right language, but actually their actions have actually betrayed something very, very sinister and very, very dark. I'm afraid so, And, and that's why we can't be ignorant we can't behave as though no. we're not we can't aware be naive we can't be naive about this and so yeah. I, I think 
one of the things I'm hoping to try and encourage us all, and myself included, is to be more reflective about our friendships. Yes. To just to think back, you know, I've got this very close relationship. Here's somebody at church who I'm meeting up with, or whatever. Let's just reflect and think: Are there any unhealthy aspects about yes. this friendship? Are there things that I need to change? Are there boundaries that are being crossed? Mm. Yes, and, and obviously a root of all this is in terms of where my ultimate hope and security comes from because am I looking to God to fulfill the longings and desires of my heart of which we have huge number and many of them conflict and are confusing even to us but am I bringing that under the lordship of Christ and asking him to as it were filter and mold and change and transform me so that I can be literally a tool for his goodness in the world or am I actually looking for my own selfish self-gratification that's the real danger there. It is. And and because friendship is so powerful, mm. it's such a powerful yes. force for good. Yes. It can be so transformative. Yes. We shouldn't be surprised that when friendship goes wrong, yes. it can be a very powerful force for evil. And yes. so the answer is not to say, well, I don't want to get involved with friendship. No. But the answer is, how can I build up a really yes. healthy friendships, but work out where it's going wrong. Yeah. So as we as we sort of wrap up, John, you, you've got three points in terms of what healthy friendships are about, and they're sort of three nons, if you like. But did, 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 tell us yeah, about so, that. Yeah. So I think there are three boundaries mm. that, that healthy friendships. The, the first is that we've already talked about they're not sexual. I mean, that is the difference between the yeah. the one to one relationship between yeah and in a, a world that's so sexually so sexually obsessed really yes. everything has to be about sex and yeah. in a sense we are so confused in our world that we're not even sure you know you know let alone sex within marriage it's sex with anybody anytime anywhere yeah. any gender you know it just it's it's so we've very, confused very, that's our culture we've confused friendship and sexuality mm. and and actually healthy wisdom sees these as being separate, separate things, things and that friendships healthy friendships are asexual, non-sexual. Secondly, that they are non-exclusive. So again, in Christian thinking, sexuality is something that it's one man committed to one woman for life. Friendships are not like that. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that whereas I can have this incredible friendship with you, yeah. in no way does that limit me from no. having a completely different friendship with somebody else. Or bringing another person in. Or bringing in, a person into it, the friendship, yes. Yes. So whenever a friendship becomes just me and you. Yes, just special friends kind of thing, yeah. There's yeah. something wrong. So yes. it's non-sexual, non-exclusive, and thirdly, non-coercive, that... I am not using this friendship to try and get you to do anything. Yes. I'm simply wanting to share myself. And, mm. you know, if I'm a Christian, I'm wanting to share what God has given yeah. me. And to but share I'm not Christ forcing you. You must, listen, not, to me. Yeah. You must listen to me. You, yeah, you know, right. we've got to have this together and, and I need your time and you, you, I really need you to be with me. Exactly. Because yeah. God's not like that. Absolutely. And, and, and Jesus isn't like that. Yeah. And, and therefore... As we model to one another, we model this service, this gentle gentleness, gentleness yeah. and this humility. So non-sexual, non-exclusive, and non-coercive. Yeah. That's that's very helpful. And there's, there's 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 a lot of depth and richness to that. And I think ultimately we see that in our relationship with God, because He ultimately is the ultimate friend. Yeah. But what I would want to say positively mm. is that positive, healthy friendships. Uh, as one puts um, 
put it from a Christian point of view, are crafted out of the heart of the gospel. Yes. And so maybe that's something we can talk about. And that we'll talk about that in, in our next podcast. But thank you again, John, for really opening this up with us and helping us to be, grow wise in, in our friendships, seeing the great potential they have, but also the great dangers they are if we don't, as it were, have that discernment and prudence about the way that we go about our friendships. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, presented by Sunil Raheja. For details on the Dancing with Wisdom book and its accompanying workbook, please visit drsunil.com. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it, give a thumbs up on YouTube, and help it grow by leaving a nice review. Life's challenges can diminish, define, or develop you. Which will it be? Make sure you hunger for the wise one. The choice is yours.